0: Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start, if you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue.
0: Another cool fact, you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Calf Chat podcast. And with me today, I have Freddie Page Roberts. Hello. Hello there. Hi. Good to meet you. Can you tell the audience a little bit about sort of who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, I'm the CEO of um, a startup. Uh, called Page Roberts Automotive. And uh, we've come up with a new packaging technology for electric vehicles to make them far more efficient, especially in small vehicles, really. That's where it's based at.
0: Yeah, I someone sent, one of your teams sent me an email with some of the information. like, are you interested in having a look at what what's, you know, talking about this? And it just, to me, looked like quite an interesting um, design. But before we sort of get into that, can mm. you tell, like, you know, how did, what's your background in all of this? Yeah.
1: Where yeah, my did you sort of start getting
0: involved in that i 'm
1: sort of a lifelong engineer um, mm-hmm. i've got a production engineering degree, um, so i've had companies in the engineering um, space uh, manufacturing valves and various things and I suppose in about sort of middle of the 2000s, um, I, um, I got into sort of low carbon technology. Um, mm-hmm. We had a hybrid. Um, system on a van. This was the Connaught hybrid system. You might remember Connaught was a, a sort of start-up British sports car brand that actually then transferred into the hybrid technology that they developed. Oh, okay. um, I, I don't remember this, but no. can you
0: explain a little bit more about sort of yeah. what it was?
1: <laughs> it was a, a, a British sports car that had av 2-litre V10, okay, but it also cool. had hybrid technology. So it was an electric motor being driven off the crank. Crankshaft. Mm. So as you as you um, slowed up, it would charge a supercapacitor. And as you accelerated, the supercapacitor would assist the crankshaft through the electric motor. Um, and so we transferred that as a retrofit system to commercial vans for Tesco's and things like that. Uh, okay. um, really, it was too expensive. You know, we were very one of the pioneers in doing mm-hmm. hybrid technology, really. Yeah. Um, and. Whilst companies were desperate to get into, you know, to uh, to get into the sort of um, low-carbon uh, space, um, it, it, it still had to make sense commercially for them. Mm. And so, um, ultimately, that died. Um, but it was well ahead of its time. And then, latterly, I was in, um, a, a, again, a sort of start-up, um, a design company that um, developed a, sam- a, a very lightweight sandwich panel technology that... Um, gave, you know, very efficient structures. Okay. And so I've been sort of in that low-carbon space, if you like. Yeah. Um, and the inspiration, really, for the Paige Roberts battery EV was that I was trying to look at how to create an electric vehicle that was still low and gave, um, you know, those sort of lovely-looking coupes-type yeah. feel. And, you know, we came up with this, um, having the battery between the front seats and rear-facing Seats second row, and that gave us the height benefit, and you know that was just to, to uh, you know to sort of try and solve a problem for a um, mm. a, um, a luxury coupe type thing. But actually, when um, my business partner came into the into the business, Mark Simon, when he did all the numbers, which is you know he's ex Ricardo, so um, yeah. you know that's what he did. He went to OEMs and you know gave was a sort of chief engineer for a lot of these OEMs as a consultant. Mm. And um, when he did the numbers, he found incredible efficiencies with this layout compared to um, the traditional, as I, as I call it, the skateboard type yeah. approach.
0: Yeah, because most, most electric cars now have the batteries predominantly at the bottom, which is that why a lot of even the small battery electric vehicles are quite raised up? They're quite high.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: exactly. Is that to do with like seating and yeah. stuff like that?
1: I mean, if you're talking about a sort of fairly decent range vehicle, you've got to package four hundred liters plus of battery space. Yeah. And obviously an IC car it's only seventy liters. You know, that was no problem. That was under the rear seats, job done. And of course the, the, the you know, an IC engine could be um in a sort of more in a crash position, if you like. Um mm. that cause that has been the traditional way. You know, a Porsche has had the the engine out the back in the nine eleven and you know, front engine cars, that was all part of crash, really, yeah. to have the engine in the front. But with a battery, you can't do that. You can't expose uh, the battery to, to any sort of overhang of, from the wheelbase. Hmm. And so it was quite an obvious place. Um, and, you know, it, for larger vehicles, it's giving you a lot of package space. Uh, you know, electric motors are small and, and go on the axle. And you're ended up with this uh, very good package space. But it is taller. And what we found is that they're much heavier. Um, And that's one of the key things. I think a lot of people don't realise the weight, how damaging the weight is to efficiency.
0: Oh, yeah. Massively so. Like, I have a little... I have a Peugeot E208. And the... Even that, which looks like a small car, I I can't remember how much it weighs, but I've driven a Honda E. And that looks, again, looks like a small car. But it's like... 1500 kilos I'm Mm. like hang on a minute and it feels really heavy when you drive it so presumably you're not getting away from having a heavy battery by packaging like this
1: no I mean you know you obviously they they they, they're trying to put a smaller battery as they can because they're expensive um and they're trying to meet a sort of a a range that is you know acceptable to the Mm. market and I think a lot of these electric cars are really second cars for people yeah. um, that are probably relying on a family IC car um, for their longer journeys. And, you know, the, the EV is a sort of runabout. And for that, it's brilliant. Uh, around town, you can't beat a, a small EV. The problem comes is when you want to go long distances, you know, you're yeah. charging too often. <laughs> it doesn't become particularly practical. And, that, and, that's, and that's half the issue, really.
0: Yeah, um, totally. You really want... I've been I've been driving a lot. Um, I bought the car for around town and pretty and short journeys. And then for some reason, I other cars aren't working and whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'll take it on longer journeys. And I've it's it's really attuned me to driving efficiently because the consequences of driving inefficiently are so bad. Like whereas with a petrol yeah. car, you just you know you're like whatever. I'll just fill up. It's fine. It might cost a little yeah. bit more, but I'll just fill up. Whereas going to zero in an electric car, you've bricked it. That's it. Game over. You're walking (laughs) home. Or or a situation that might happen is you go to a charging point and it's got two charging points that aren't particularly quick and four people in front Mm. of you. So you're there for an hour and a half or something. But I've noticed, and I think everyone will vaguely realise this, but driving at, say, 65 versus 75 makes a huge... Huge difference. It's a fuel economy, like doubling
1: speed squares the drag,
0: and I I know that, but at the same time, it is when you really get presented it with it in sort of you know real life situation, it's it's mad. And in terms of your your design, so what sort of the packaging is obviously better, but what else does that is that going to help with in terms of yeah all of the other elements. Can you sort of explain the, the layout design and then also how what the resultant car will look like and therefore how different it could be?
1: Yeah, I think you've got to start with the fact that um, really big, heavy vehicles um, are highly inefficient and they're also, mm. they use a lot of energy to make, which is hardly yes. the right <laughs> yeah. way. And, um, you know, when we've had fuel crises in the past, you know, we, we, we got back into small cars and... Mm. We really want a small car with a decent range. yeah. And the great thing about our package the, with the battery sort of vertical as it were um, across the car is that it's in a phenomenally strong position in the car. It's on the B pillar. yeah. So the structure required to, to contain the battery is much reduced over a skateboard platform okay. where the battery pack itself has to be f- phenomenally strong. Um, because they have to transport them before they put them into the car. And then obviously they're putting it in the car and you've got for safety reasons, side strike is a huge safety point that they've got to overcome. And of course you've got the whole of the side of a very long wheelbase. And that's one of the big factors (laughs) is you've got a long wheelbase with these cars, which is why most of them are big four seaters because that comes almost as standard. By the time you package the battery, you end up with a four seat saloon or, or SUV crossover, whatever. So yeah, yeah. what we're trying to do is, if you look at, there's an, a, a sort of report that um, the average car journey only, I think it's actually 1.7 people, but obviously <laughs> you understand it's less than yeah. two people are on a car journey in Europe at any one time um, on average. And so what we've designed with our rear-facing seats is that we've got occasional mm-hmm. rear-facing seats for, to, to carry four people and short distances yeah. effectively. I mean, children love it. You know, I grew oh, up great. facing facing backwards, but uh, the same. <laughs> putting, that to, putting that to an aside, it's what it does is create a fantastic boot area, a class-leading boot area of sort of 1,200 liters. And so, for a lot of people, a small car where you know only occasionally will they put a couple of extra passengers in, and mm. they've got this flexibility. But it's then they've got the range, and this is what the benefits of a standard wheelbase, which ours has got um provides it's very lightweight in terms of structure uh, but still within all the safety parameters that you must have these days and then when you want range the classic thing is of course it's intercity when you're on a fast road and you're back to what you were saying about um the drag yeah and people seem to think that drag is all about drag coefficient but it's it's also about the frontal area punching a hole combined with the coefficient of drag yeah well, that's a huge, um, it, it? Is a huge part of it, isn't it? It's a huge part of it, and com- you know, cars like Tesla are hugely optimised um, to uh, uh, incredibly streamlined. And obviously, a longer car is better for that yeah. than a smaller car. So, the worst thing is these small, sort of dumpy cars. <laughs> I won't name any car name, but they they are punching relative to their size and weight a bigger yeah. hole, uh, and of course, are less efficient. And that's really where our car is, um, you know, can be 1,300 millimeter tall, you know, which is effectively like a Porsche 911 in terms of height. Okay, yeah. You then get that benefit as well, as well as the lightweight. And I'd just like to make one quick point on the weight, is that the WLTP standard that gives the range for all these cars that yes. they get to is really based around incredibly low acceleration figures. I think it's something like point. One, two. Oh, okay. barely accelerating. Or, or, you know, it's, it's, yeah. So it's a very light foot on the accelerator, which, yeah. as you know, we tend not to in electric cars. <laughs> um, so it, it does sort of give, obviously, when you get then onto a motorway, um you're not getting the range that uh, the manufacturers particularly specify. The sort of real world range is much less. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, totally. I get that. It's, it's interesting your point about the, the sort of skateboard design and the main factor being, you know, you have to s- support the edge of it and this is a very long thin thing. That's kind of quite wobbly or, you know, could be, and therefore you have to stiffen it up so much. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, having it all in the middle, in a kind of block with a relatively small side profile, you, you eliminate a lot of that then. So yeah, your point, having that space at the back, I, so R2, r 208 we have two back seats that r- get used literally never occasionally yeah. i don't know five percent of the time less i don't know yeah but absolutely that space is not that useful and folding seats down is never that efficient in terms of space whereas if that w- if you'd flip them the other way around yeah like you said there's instantly so much more space
1: yeah, so but i think people have got a little bit hung out hung up about our design being rear-facing seats um because (laughs) everyone can face backwards i get that yeah um but it is for very occasional use and i think Hmm. you you see so many big cars with just one person in you do um, around yeah most
0: of the time and deliveries and stuff like that so is there scope for this design to go into other yeah other vehicles
1: well yeah i mean we've on our website we talk about we do show um taxis obviously camper vans these sort of things where you could have rear-facing seats and obviously you have rear-facing seats facing uh, other forward-facing seats so you've got people chatting like you do in a london black cab um and if you went autonomous then you would have that quite a bit (laughs) that people would be facing backwards so it's something that you know whether you've got to have a screen uh for those guys showing the road coming towards (laughs) coming towards (laughs) i don't know but there's probably lots of innovative ideas that people will come up with because it does make sense if, to, to have people facing together but as I say it's it's not for everyone to sit in the back mm. some people would never sit in the back but there are other people that, the, the studies suggest that if you've got good visibility yeah. you don't feel you don't have a problem with it you know it's rather like at sea you know as long as you can see the horizon yeah you're not a problem and in some cases with cars we're quite cramped in the back um, you're looking at the back of the seat.
2: Yeah, yeah it's right and
1: in it, your and face. People can't sit in the back, so you know it, it, it's a it's an odd yeah, it's area. It's an interesting
0: it. one though, because I've not I've never really thought of it as an issue. Like let's just say traveling in London in a black cab, if you're sitting in the facing backwards, that's never really bothered me. I go on a train, but yeah. I know it does that. That does bother some, bit some people, people. They feel really a bit, get a bit sick and whatnot.
1: But yeah. there's more okay. efficiency. I mean. For example, we could, with a, with a slightly larger battery pack than you probably have for, for cost, because obviously mm. the bigger the battery, um, the, the, the more costly the car. Um, but for a, if you really optimized it and had a 75 kilowatt-hour battery in our car, in our four-meter yeah. car, you would go over 500 miles on the WLTP. So that wow. wouldn't be a real range, but it's massively more than, than, than what you're looking at today. Yeah
0: and at least then because the thing is I know now having played with driving at different speeds and different styles and whatnot, that I can get reasonably close I think the WLTP on my car is 220 and I if I drive at like 70 I probably get 160 miles on like motorway-ish driving if I drive at 65 I get 200 or 180, 190, town driving, I get 200. Like, so it's not that far off, but just having that for me in this car, the battery pack size and the efficiency in frontal area and whatever, like, just means you're always on the edge. All the yes. distance I do, and I think probably most people find that. But having, if I had another 100 miles or 200 miles of range, then you just forget about it. You're like, yes. yeah, I'll just drive exactly how
1: I want to drive. Because then it means you can sort of go to drive two hours, have a meeting without having to worry about charging hopefully during your meeting if yeah. you planned it, then that's fine, and then coming back and that that's that's a quite a long day's driving let's face it, and you yeah. you're back at home and hopefully you can charge you know the other the, yeah. the other point about a small car with a really decent range is you don't have to charge it so often, so if you are using it in a sort yeah. of semi urban type environment you you don't have to. Plug it in every night. You know, you've got a really decent range that could last you a week, and at the weekend you, you've got time to charge it while you do the shopping or something. You know, yeah, it's, true.
0: That makes and and these cars are so efficient in town. Like compared to yeah. a, an ice car, oh. like it's it's ridiculous how yeah. much more efficient they are in town. So you really do get close to the mileage figures that you'll it'll say you get when you do it in town. But that's but yeah, not that when point, you need it, is it? It's that, yeah. <laughs> But not everyone has charging points. This is a bit of a problem at the moment. It it works for an electric car if you can charge at home and maybe... If you can charge at home and charge at destination, perfect. That's pretty much sorted. But lots of people want to buy electric cars. I've got a friend that's bought a a Tesla recently, and he can't charge at home. So you are then relying on public charging all the time. And if you can extend that gap, Mm. that's great,
1: isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've actually got some figures. But we did a study on an i3, which is quite mm. a well-established, well-known electric car that is four metres long. So the yeah. same, same length as ours. And um, if you kept the weight the same, so our car and the i3 actually kept the same weight, we'd be able to put a bigger battery in. How up? I think the i3 does 193 miles, something like that. We'd be able to do 321. So that just gives you some idea of what the difference would be for the same weight. Now, if we did our weight reduction that we're talking about and the savings of the bill of materials on cost of building that car, then the BMW is 24,000. We would be down to sort of 15,000 pounds for that car, doing the same mileage. So the same yeah. range, our car much reduced weight, obviously much cheaper to manufacture as a result, um, and that's what you need. You we need to get down to the small cars being sort of that great price, that price, yeah, that can also do a, you know at least two hundred miles. As you know, as you know, cars it's always a compromise, isn't it, between range and weight and power and yeah, what's
0: no, it's it's interesting. And then because how much of a cost, how much of the cost of the car is the battery pack in these small cars?
1: Well, it becomes it's a higher percentage. Um,
0: but do you know the, what it would be at the moment? Like how much I mean, is it $100 a
1: hundred dollars per kilowatt hour? But I mean, I think Tesla have got such a lead on that that they are getting down to sort of seventy dollars per um, kilowatt hour. You know, and mm-hmm. um, it's phenomenally how cheap they they can produce, mass produce their battery packs. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it is you know all the car manufacturers are waking up and you know forming the ties and the giga giga plants are going in but i mean our our design is irrespective of of technology moving forward in terms of battery um i think what you're going to get is batteries being more dense energy wise yeah more efficient but the weight they're actually going to get heavier but they're going to get smaller (laughs) if you follow me so weight is still an issue Um, yeah yeah massively you just get a bit more package back but not a whole lot of package back you know, it's not going to go from 400 litres to 70 litres. 200, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. What do you, what do you think about um, all the, the other technologies out there at the moment? Or that, that everyone's sort of saying, oh, yeah, we'll have whatever fuels and blah, 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 blah. All that sort of stuff that might replace conventional petroleum and no, I whatnot. Think-
1: I think the battery electric vehicle is very established for the passenger vehicle market. Mm. Um, I you know, I think Mercedes have just launched an electric truck. I mean, that could be really quite... If they've done that, then that's quite serious. But it must be quite expensive. And I do think hydrogen... Actually, hydrogen in diesel engines is, is something that's quite interesting. Um, it's dual fuel. Uh, you okay. can run it at 80% power with... Um, on pure hydrogen, which is obviously is a, really? is a, is a much greener fuel because it's, a, it's the heavy trucks and stuff like that where you need, you know, enormous amounts of energy for long periods of time that, you, you know, I struggle to see how that, and even fuel cell vehicles, it's quite a, you know, it's good. I mean, I'm not an expert on that, so um, yeah. I'm, I probably shouldn't comment <laughs> on that, but I, I can see that the hydrogen economy type moving into the heavy duty stuff yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. i think from talking to various people about how it might work and whatnot it sounds like hydrogen could work very well for those sorts of uses like you know trucks and whatever deliveries yeah. and things but on a kind of circular route where you always end up back at base so then you can fill it up whereas i don't I don't know how how easy it is to fill up with hydrogen nowadays. I, I don't. I've not. I've never noticed it, but it could just be one of those things that
1: exists. But you, because you never use it, you never notice it. I don't know. No, I think if you've got trucks that are operating from a base, then they probably would try and get hydrogen there. But for the general public, you know, the the infrastructure obviously is just not there. Yeah, and I think the big car companies have so, you know, their agenda is battery electric vehicles that I don't think. I can see it happening just really from that perspective that they've already you know put their, put their money down on on that yeah. technology yeah yeah
0: it's an, it's an interesting space moving yeah. forward and I, I think for some stuff do you think because at the moment from from a sports car point of view yeah i've not come across a sports car that's electric that I particularly want to drive other than from like a you know, it's two thousand horsepower, and, and I would give it a go because it's kind of fun. But the weight of these cars, even well, to be honest, even just normal combustion engine cars now they've all they're all quite heavy. All sports cars are, you know, getting up to fifteen, sixteen hundred kilos, whereas used to be thirteen hundred, then used to be a thousand kilos. I know there's no safety in all of that sort of stuff, but adding in a battery electric powertrain and batteries. You just end up with some really, really, really heavy vehicles, which aren't that fun.
1: Well, fun enough that sort of the supercar electric cars that have come out, recently, mm. that, that battery is behind the seats; it's not in the floor.
0: Oh, is it? Of that course. makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. They're sense. low,
1: you know. The Batista, you know, Pininfarina mm. is, and the Rimac—they've got a huge battery, and it, I think some goes down the tunnel. Yeah, um, but they've got a huge battery behind there, um, like a mid-engine car. Yeah, the back is exactly in that position, um, but because the wheelbase is shorter, um, that their dynamics are quite good, and it's within the wheelbase, mm. um, you still get this agility. It's with these very long skateboard-type cars that actually they lose agility, and often they have to have rear-wheel steering to sort of bring back agility. So, you know, a lot of people look at ours and go, "Well, the C of G is very high compared to," but actually, the C of G isn't that much different. Because when a, with an SUV the glass is so heavy, that raises okay. the C much higher than you would imagine.
0: Oh, okay. Because
1: our vehicle is lower, so I think we can go to fifty-five kilowatt hour bef, bef, with the same C of G as as a Tesla, for example. Okay. So it's not, and 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 long wheelbases are not great for agility. That's what you know, and you yeah. Um
0: Although- Rear wheel steering is one of those magic bits of technology to me. Like I know it's been around forever, but like it is, we now see it a lot, and it just Mm. makes like I I don't know whether you've driven a Taycan. A Taycan is. I haven't yet. No. It is something else in comparison to even just like a Panamera. You'd think that would drive similar to a Taycan, and the Taycan is just it's just like twenty percent better car. Absolutely. Yeah ignoring the powertrain at all so it's i think for lot for transport vehicles if we can get this stuff right yeah we're
1: going to end up with better cars oh ride better undoubtedly undoubtedly but of course back to that rear wheel steering it does add weight so it it does it does more weight bigger brakes it's a it's a vicious circle as opposed to a virtuous one. As
0: I... Yes, yes, very, very vicious. I think the one that I thought was the most ridiculous that I've seen recently is on all Bentley's, like the Bentley Continental G T has it has it has I think it's got a bunch of electric motors to stop it moving around when you go around a corner. Yeah. But the system weighs like a hundred kilos.
1: And you're like,
2: What? Just
0: make yeah. your car lighter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so they're using the brakes to to create the agility, um, just just to level it all up. Around yeah, the, it, 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 it is amazing what they're doing. But just on that point, like the 911 and the Bentley Continental, they can't currently make an electric vehicle the same proportions as, as those cars. That's why Porsche say, no, if you, you want electric, heavy, yeah. you go to the Taycan. They're yeah. not going to do an electric 911, and the reason is they can't they can't fit the battery in safely and create the same height length car and that's one thing you know the Paige roberts tech really does work for you yeah. know we can do a 911 type car with um, the rear facing seats obviously but a great luggage area because most of these gts are generally two people but one yeah. thing, a really good luggage area uh, but they still want the good looks the low sexy looks how would that um, work
0: in a sport sporty car with like two plus two because you'd have to be climbing in through the boot.
1: You, you would, be. you would. <laughs> but but generally speaking, it's sort of taking taking four blokes down to the pub, isn't it? Get yeah. in the back, get down. But when you're going on a holiday with your wife, you're not going to have two blokes no. in the back. So that's that's kind of what it would be, and it, it, it's what it is today with the sort of Bentley GT. You don't see many people squeezed in. Um, no. they, you know, they've barely got any legs to get in.
0: Actually, of all the cars, that one's not that bad. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah at the Aston Martins and, like, DBS. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, no.
1: It's a joke. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, no. So what, what gets you excited car-wise?
1: I, I suppose um, I love classic cars.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> I've got a, a lovely old classic car, but I, I, I've got a, I drive an IPACE. pace Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a good feel of what electric cars do. Um, I don't know, nothing nothing particularly excites me. I suppose because I'm doing <laughs> I've got my own technology, yeah. so I kind of that, that sort of takes the fun out of owning a car, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so is, so the plan, right, obviously is would you build your own car? Or you're, are you hoping someone's going to license the technology and then build? Yeah, I company? think
1: I think there's a, lot, there's a few options, and obviously this mm. is what we're we're launching. The IP, yeah. um, you know, the patent is out there now, yeah, published. So um, it's trying to get interest, um, you know, people like yourself to to talk about it, and see if I can't get some backing for it. Um, yeah. You know, there's plenty of grants from the the UK government for zero emission stuff, um, so. Uh, yeah, I'm hopeful to um to to, to get something going through that an mm. investment.
0: Yeah. No, it'd be cool. It lo- it looks like a it's an interesting design. It definitely solves the the fa- the issue of everything being right ra- like every car is raised up at the moment to yeah. some degree because of all these batteries underneath and like that just makes them bigger. the frontal area as you said goes up massively. Yeah. All, all of all of these issues. Well, yeah, it's been interesting to hear about it. And fingers hey. crossed, well, hopefully it will, I will see it more. Hopefully, hopefully I'll see one something based on this on the road. I, well, I would be totally better. like a small car with rear-facing back seats with all that space. It sounds like a great idea. So I normally wrap this up with five five questions.
1: Oh, dear, I'm worried now. <laughs> it's all right.
0: So the first question, do you have a most memorable driving trip or journey?
1: Yes, I, I've i got a Fassel Vega, which is a beautiful... Old Ooh. French luxury car. So I've got a Fassel yes. Two. If you've heard of a Fassel Two, it's got a Ameri- six-point-three-liter V-eight, and um, I've driven that to the. Um, I've done quite a few trips in France, and that was to the Champagne region. Mm. So that was pretty good with the with the French club. So you eat oh. very well with the Fassel <laughs> Two French club.
0: Are these? I feel like there's not a lot of these around. No, they're. Very cool. There's a place in London called Duke of London. Um, I don't know really if you've come across Duke it. Of, no. it's, a, it's a dealership, and oh, and no. they had a Facel Vega. I don't know what which one it was, and it was the. It's one of those cars you came across. and You're like, what is this? Like, where where has this come from? And just like has those sort of Ferrari-esque vibes, but different, like, yeah. very cool-looking things.
1: Well, it was pitched between a Ferrari and a Bentley. Mm. It was to have the comfort of a Bentley, but um, the performance of a Ferrari in something. And Sterling Moss drove one between all his European Grand Prix's. So. Oh,
0: nice. How many do they make? Any idea? Of, of I mean, yours? the company made a
1: small, smaller car. They made in much larger numbers called the Facilia, mm. which actually destroyed the company. But, I mean, of my car, they were made 300 and something, I think. Yeah, so you 20, don't
0: see many around. No. Have you ever come across another one just on the road? driving
1: around um not unless it's a club run no okay yeah 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 <laughs> we, went to goodwood. we went to goodwood so there was there was plenty oh, nice. of us
0: yeah ah oh, cool um next question five car yeah. garage unlimited value five car garage
1: oh um I'd, I'd probably i'd probably have some classics in there
0: yes yes <laughs> we like classics what would you go for
1: oh i'd have a lamborghini miura Ooh. i'd have a Probably an Aston Martin DB4 GT. Mm-hmm. I'd have to have a Ferrari. I'd, I'd, let's have a modern. I like the GT4 Lusso or something like that. That would yeah. be.
0: That'd be a great that'd be a, daily. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the original Lotus Elite, um, which was a beautiful early Colin Chapman car that was incredibly aerodynamic, and it only had a one point two liter petrol engine um that was that, that that would be great that is a nice looking thing and then obviously i'd have my facile which i've got obviously <laughs> is that i think that's five
0: that's five that's five sounds like a good bunch if you could only drive one car for the rest of your life and you're allowed something that costs 500 pounds on the side
1: a, a modern car or a <laughs> I well you've only got oh.
0: one so so if you're very comfortable driving a, a 50s car or whatever every day, then fine.
1: I'll <laughs> oh, go on. I'll say the Vassal Vega. It's got to be. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Cruise around in style. Yeah. What do you think is the most undervalued
1: car at the moment?
0: What do you think should be worth more?
1: I don't know. I think a Boxster is a very good car. Um, mm. I had one in the past and I... it. Um, I sold it for almost as much as I bought it. So that always sticks in my mind as a car that is great value. Yeah, I think so. It it does everything. You can do long trips. Because I used to have a Lotus Elise, and that was terrible for motorway driving, but brilliant with the roof down around the lanes. Yeah. And then the Boxster was the perfect compromise. Um, Yeah. I still think they're good value.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think they're very good
1: value.
0: and. Lots more space than you expect in the front, back, everywhere. Okay, final question. What's the most interesting car to you at the moment?
1: The most interesting car? Um, I've just been to Goodwood. Um, Mm. What was your favourite from Goodwood? I'd still like to go in a Bristol fighter. Oh,
0: I've been in one. Have you? Yeah, a long time ago.
1: Um, so I think that car, that car has something. It's quite cool.
0: I remember when they, I don't know when they actually came out, but a, a friend of mine used to work in the dealership and he brought one along to an event we were going to and I had a little drive um, or he took me out in it. And I remember when they came out, they, there was one engine option, which was like a Bristol fighter turbo or something. There was like a thousand horsepower or something.
1: It was the um, Viper engine. It was the V10 Viper Was it the engine. V10 yeah.
0: in it? Mm. Yeah. I mean, and that was designed as an airplane rather than as a car. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, they
1: really focused on the aerodynamics of that, that car. Um, Toby Silverwood was the guy that really, really went into it. And um, I, I wish they'd just compromised a little bit on the styling. It just stands a little yeah. taller than I'd like it to. Um, if it just lowered a little bit... And maybe a tiny bit wider, but they were obsessed about being narrow, like a ni- a nine yeah. eleven to get through London traffic. Was one of the Bristol <laughs> sort of attribute. things, yeah. And yeah, I, I think if it was just slightly lower. It would be one of the most iconic cars of all time. But I I still think it has a it has a great presence.
0: Yeah, it's a cool. It was I was surprised to see one at at Goodwood, and mm. yeah, like you said, it's just a it's a really sort of interesting design, interesting thing that existed. But yeah, for some reason, just wasn't quite right, whether it was the brand or the f- everything. And I've never seen I've never seen a customer one. I don't, okay, that presumably that is owned by someone, that one. But I've never seen one on the road. I've never seen one right. on an event other than that one.
1: Yeah, there's very few, I think. They were quarter yeah. a million back in wow. whenever sort of they came out. 98, Ninety eight Car- ninety six, yeah. I think was it? No, no, two thousand sorry, two thousand and six, two thousand and eight. That sounds about right. Yeah.
0: Interesting things. Cool. Well, Fantastic. thanks It'll
1: very been much been for coming on the podcast. to uh, talk to you, Sam.
0: Yeah, it's been good. um And hopefully, I'll see your design around. Somewhere. Well, let's hope so. That would be brilliant.
1: <laughs> I'll get you phot- photographing
2: it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? Great. Well, thanks good. very much. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Cheers.